In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Prayer for the cause of sainthood for Venerable Frederick Barriga. O God, thank you for the life and holiness of your servant, Venerable Frederick Barriga. I pray you will honor him by the title of saint. He dedicated himself completely to mission activity to make you known, loved, and served by the people who you love. Lord, I pray in Venerable Frederick Barriga's intercession for the Catholic Association, may they have the missionary zeal of the apostles and the resources necessary to reach the intended soul, to build up the body of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. We are going to um, cover... <clears throat> today, um, and that hopefully you'll leave today with a better understanding of the Catechism and not be confused. Um, <clears throat> has everybody got a Catechism? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody got one? Yes, 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 yes. Have you got one? Oh, you've got the uh, Ascension Press one. Oh, very fancy. Is that okay? Hot off the press? Was it good? Was it? Hot off the press? Okay. So, um, so a little bit about background of the, <coughs> of the catechism, of catechism. Um, I've mentioned this in the passing, but I, I doubt anybody picked it up. I think it was like the second class or something. Um, the first ever catechism, who, who wrote the first ever catechism? Yeah. Oh, there was John Carroll, financial? No, 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 no. Okay. No, 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 no. Well, it wasn't Voldemort. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It was a Catholic priest. Didn't die a Catholic priest. Martin Luther? Oh, okay. The first catechism ever written wasn't Catholic. We didn't need them. People were taught the faith, people knew the faith, people grew up being taught the faith by their parents. Martin Luther wrote a catechism for his followers so that they would know what they were, why they were different from the church. So Martin Luther wrote the first, the first catechism. The word, the word catechism, the Greek word catechesis, means to, to, you know, you can see in it the word echo, which is a Greek word, Right? Echo is a Greek word. In the word catechism, what echo is in there, what it means is to repeat back. So most of you would have grown up learning, that's why I do, I quote it in, at Mass. Who made me? God made me. Why did he make me? Etc., etc. Right? I think it's usually, uh, I don't know about in the States, but I think in, in Britain, it was the first 20 questions of the penny catechism that people had to learn well, rather, be able to repeat. That doesn't mean you know what's going on, of course, but had to repeat it. Because that's what it was about. And if you, I don't have one, I couldn't find it. Well, I do have one, but I couldn't find it. The compendium of the catechism, um, it, Pope Benedict brought it out. It's a much smaller version. That was brought out at the desire of people to have a catechism that was uh, interrogatory. That's that question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And the, the, um, it's heavily, heavily abbreviated because it's only about 
So the size of this book here that I'm holding up, as opposed to as opposed to this one here, which is uh, <laughs> same company's same print of the actual catechism, and this book, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, so the idea, the when the first catechism we put together, anyone want to guess when that was? Trent. Sorry. Trent. Trent. Yes. Have it here. Council of Trent. So the Council of Trent, um, they put together a catechism, and it was not for the faithful. The catechism that they put together was because um, the worst thing that had had happened to the world uh, um, had just happened, and that was a, a significant split in the church. Well, because there had been 1052 when the Greeks split, so this, of course, was a, a similar kind of scale when Father Martin Luther decided that he knew better than God and often did his own thing. Um, so the realisation was that bishops and priests were so poorly trained often <coughs> that they didn't know what they were talking about and that made the faithful easy targets for people who had their own novelties, people dressed like me, who had their own novelties and ideas. This is something that has resurrected itself since 1970. I might talk about that if we've got time, about the kind of things that happened. In fact, I probably will, because that's partly why John Paul did what he did. So they put together the, the Catechism. Now, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, um, it's not an easy read. It's not supposed to be an easy read. Right? You can't, you can get, I've got a, a, tra a translation of the, the Catechism of the Council of Trent into simple English. <laughs> Still not easy. I go back to this one because the simple English one confuses the hell out of me, frankly. Um, it was to become a standard, uh, sure, sure book or texts for teaching the faith so that all across the world the faith was being taught not according to the opinions and the vagaries of, of priests and bishops, but according to what the church actually taught. And it's uh, sometimes in books, like in the Catechism, the John Paul Catechism, the one we're talking about, if it talks about the Roman Catechism, it means the one of the Council of Trent. So you'll see it in footnotes, sometimes in paragraphs, it's talked about the Roman Catechism, and it's the one for the Council of Trent. Um, so, then, <clears throat> after the Council of Trent, there were different times, there were attempts by by um, different churches to try to make things accessible to the faithful so they didn't have to try and trawl their way through the, 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 the Catechism of the Council of Trent. So this is one. This is um, um, from... Where is this from? Um, this is from the 1800s, this one. It's called the Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma. There's a few of them out there. Um, it's attempt, it was attempts for people. So it says here, Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma, a one-volume encyclopedia of the doctrines of the Catholic Church, showing their sources in scripture and tradition and their definitions by, by popes and, and councils. As you can see, that's more or less what the, cate the catechism does. So this was an attempt to make it more readable. To uh, and this, is a, this is very good. Um, this is done by a, a guy, uh, academic, German academic, called um, Ludwig Ott. Um, then, 
another, some of you may have this at home. This is a wonderful book written by an American cardinal, um, Cardinal Gibbons. He wrote this book called The Faith of Our Fathers. It's absolutely fantastic. It's very readable. Um, if you don't have it at home, you can still get it. Tan, do it. This version I've got is from the 50s, I think. Um, he wrote this in 1895. And um, just to give you an idea of from the index, um, the Blessed Trinity, the unity of the Church, the holiness of, of the Church, Catholicity, Apostolicity, Perpetuity of the Church, Infallible Authority of the Church. And remember when he was writing this, that was when it was actually being discussed at Vatican I, at which he was at. The Church in the Bible, the primacy of Peter. So it's very like a catechism. Um, it's a wonderful book. It's a, um, and of course, it's American, right here. Then, of course, there was this little beauty. The Baltimore Catechism. Um, this is the children's one, of course. These are the adult ones. You might never have seen these. But these are the adult ones. These, these have commentaries in them um, by uh, Father Thomas uh, Kincaid. Um, is this the, for most of you, is this the catechism you had when you were growing up? No. Yeah. No? Mine was blue and white. Blue and, white, blue and white, but was it the Baltimore Catechism? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Twelve yes. years of it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so what is question 122, Phyllis? I'm starting to find out. I told you I don't remember anything. All right. It's going to be like that. <laughs> years ago, um, nine years ago, I did a whole, uh, I was so ahead of everybody else, I did a whole, a whole series of classes in Prudenville at Our Lady of the Lake, uh, on the catechism, and we had about 60 people at every session did this whole thing. I told people I could do it in eight weeks. So, seven months later, <laughs> I'm not joking, um, a friend of mine, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, well, an acquaintance of mine, a priest in England, he, uh, for the year of, the year of faith, what was that, 90 something? 2002? Anyway, he, he decided he would teach his people the catechism, and the plan was to do it in two months, and it took the whole year because it's so complicated. And, um, or that is not complicated because it's very dense. And so, what I did was now, if there are people who listen to me on the radio or podcast who go to, who attend Our Lady of the Lake and sat through all those classes, they're about to find out something that um, I never shared with them. They thought I was going through this catechism, and I wasn't. I was going through <laughs> the Baltimore Catechism. Because after about four sessions, I had so many people just couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. They just couldn't fo follow the, the English or my explanations were so bad that I started using. So what I did was I gave them citations from the catechism, and then I taught them how it was explained, generally speaking, how it was explained in the Baltimore Catechism. So, if they want their money back, they can't, because they didn't pay any money. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Okay, so that's kind of how the, the faith had been uh, presented then, of course. We had, as you all know, in the 60s, we had the Second Vatican Council. 
And <clears throat> the Second Vatican Council, as again, hopefully you all know, uh, was, was uh, an excellent council. I quote it quite a lot. And it was hijacked. It was distorted. Um, and how it was, it was used to do things to the faithful, to the mass, and to churches that had nothing to do with what was discussed. So, for example, there is no church document that say anywhere, no church document that says the priest is to face the people. No church document says that. In fact, if I had a missile here, just now, you look at a missile, if you have a missile at home, uh, the part where the after the Agnes Day, the Lamb of God, it says, and the priest turning to the people make, offers them peace. It wouldn't say it in the book if the priest was already meant to be facing the people. There are three times in the missile where it says that. So that was an act of disobedience to do that. And it happened in most of the Western world. There are no church documents that say anything about taking out church rails or destroying statues or not having the, the rosary. All those things were all done by disobedient bishops and their cronies, their priests, um, in the, the 70s and 80s, and we still have some of that lingering, uh, that were not the teaching of the church. I have met people personally who actually had somebody ask me, a lady who asked me, um, sorry, I don't know what she identifies as. She looked like a lady to me. I'm trying to become really politically correct. Don't laugh. Anyway, this individual who I think don't want to project identified. Anyway, she came up to me and she said, uh, this is quite a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago. She said to me, I've noticed, Father, you never talk about all the sins that Jesus committed. And I'm very rarely speechless, as you all know, right? And I was like, what? Now you're thinking to yourself, is this woman mad? Step away. Um, anyway, so I said to her, I beg your pardon? And she said, all the sins that Jesus committed, you never talk about them. Other priests do. I said, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Jesus never committed any sins. Did he have the potential to do it? Was he tempted? Yes. Did he do it? No, he didn't. And she said, oh, so, so you're one of those people who doesn't think Jesus was actually human. Pardon? Well, if Jesus was human, he was like the last of us. He all, we, we all sin. Right. So she had, the, in her parish, there was a priest who had done this. I've since read this in articles about other priests in different places who say this. Um, Adam and Eve, right, when humanity was created, humanity was created immaculately. We are meant to be Immaculate. That's what we're meant to be. That's why we go to confession. That's why we try to have as many graces as we can. Because broken humanity sins. It's not humanity that sins. It's broken humanity. Our Lady never sinned. Jesus never sinned. John the Baptist probably never sinned. Since, well, since the church generally has held that he was, although he wasn't conceived immaculately, he was born immaculately, that he was relieved of um, um, original sin in Elizabeth's womb. That's why he leaps, because that's what's happening. Um, 
So that's just one example, right? Some of you at least will know, or might have been subjected to priests that would try and stop people from praying the rosary before Mass. And if that's never happened to you, I'm very glad, but I know plenty of places where that happened. Um, why do that? Oh, because we don't, um, we don't, we, we don't, we don't want all that kind of false religion. Well, that's nonsense. And actually, the documents of Vatican II talk beautifully about Our Lady and about devotion to our, to Our Lady, um, destroying statues, moving statues, covering statues, getting rid of candles, all those things. None of those things have anything to do with Vatican II. They have to do with people attempting to turn the most beautiful thing on earth into something that is a shadow of itself. And that's why St. John Paul wanted another catechism. He wanted to have an up-to-date catechism so that the faithful, and we'll get to this in a second, so that the faithful had a tool to know whether or not their priests and their bishops were saying what we actually believe. So if you go into the Catechism, um, now, the oldest um, print of the Catechism is this one here. I don't know what colour, what, you're the artist, John, what colour is that? Mustard? I would say beige. Beige, okay, <clears throat> yeah. So is the beige hard hard cover one, um, I've actually got a soft cover version of that there. That was the, the, the first print that came out in uh, English, and you actually see that was printed by the Vatican. The one I've got in my hand was the, the there were some errors in that one, some typos and stuff like that. The green one I've got in my hand um, was, uh, as you can see, it's the second edition. So it's got everything in it. And then, to try and make it more accessible, they brought out, can I see that for a second? They brought out this one, which is the one that most of you you have very kindly supplied and made possible by the Knights Council here in the parish. Um, when this went into Walmart, this version, it sold out within two days. And when that version, the beige one, was released in Europe, I don't know about in the States, in the Europe, within a week, it was number two in the bestsellers list. So there was a desire by Catholics to buy this book. Apparently, in, in places like Walmart, they had stacks of these, and Catholics were coming in and, and buying them and just buying them in bulk and stuff like that to, to give to people as gifts. The problem with this one is there are a um, limited amount of index, and um, at the front, there's none of the stuff that I'm just about to reference, and the print is extremely small. That's the problem with this one. But it, it's supposed to be, it's called the... I don't think it says it on this. In, in the English version, the, the British version of this, it's called the Pocket Catechism. <laughs> That's a, you must have some size of pockets. Anyway, um, so, if I can just, um, and the, 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 the big one, the one that's got all the, the indices and the letters and things like that, at the start, there are two letters that are written by, um, Pope John Paul. Um, and I'm, just, I'm going to read part from, from one of them. This one's called um, Fide Depositum, The Deposit of Faith. And um, it's, it's near the end of it. So if you've got, you've got a hardback print like this, it's, it's page five. If it is in the smaller one, I don't think it is, 
It's um, part three. It's part three of the letter. Um, the one that's called Fide Depositum. And it just says, therefore, uh, so this is about the doctrinal value of this and who is it for. Therefore, I ask all the church's pastors and the Christian faithful to receive this catechism in a spirit of communion and to use it assiduously in fulfilling their mission of proclaiming their faith and calling people to the gospel life. This catechism is given to them that it may be a sure and authentic reference text for teaching Catholic doctrine and particularly for preparing local catechisms. It is also offered to all the faithful who wish to deepen their knowledge of the unfathomable riches of salvation. There's a quote there from Ephesians. It is meant to support ecumenical efforts that are moved by the holy desire for the unity of all Christians, showing carefully the content on wondrous harmony of the Catholic faith. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, lastly, is offered to every individual who asks us to give an account of the hope that is in us, that's from 1 Peter 3.15, and who wants to know what the Catholic Church believes. We have been accused in the past, in fact, I read this somewhere just the other day. Some, I don't know, somebody was on TV and they called us a cult. Sorry? Yeah, they called us a cult. Um, now, if you're going to use the word, the word cult, um, I've given talks on, on what, on different cults. You have to have a definition of what a cult is. Right. So, um, generally speaking, for us, the way we define cults, for us Catholics, the way we define cults tends to be groups that have secret knowledge that only the, the initiated can have and have other texts out with the Bible that are considered to be sacred. Okay. So the Mormons are one of them, right? As far as we are concerned, the Mormons are a, are a, a, a cult, roughly speaking. The Jehovah's are a, another one. Um, and there are multiples. Um, but to call us a cult um, is a very, very strange thing. So the person that said it, you know, we have this all the time, people throwing out words, and just because they say it, they think it's the case. Um, but whoever it was that was saying this, I think it was a politician, of course, um, I'd love to, love to know um, what their definition of a cult is, because their definition of a cult is probably people who believe things that I don't like. That's probably their definition of cult is. Or people who believe things because they're told to believe things, which is not the case with Catholics. And that shows a level of ignorance about Catholicism. We believe because we have explanations for what we believe. And then we have faith, which is a, choi- a choice we make. We don't get, you know, if you, you look at... Um, uh, sad to say, particularly the Jehovah's. If you join the Jehovah's and other members of your family are not a Jehovah, you're done. They're, they're cut off from you. Um, you don't celebrate your birthday. You don't celebrate Christmas. Um, w- since when has that ever been the case for Catholics? It's never been the case for us that you can't mix with people who are, are not Catholics. We have, have we in the past, not the Holy Mother Church, but individuals treated non-Catholics badly? Yeah, absolutely we have. Um, but that's a different thing. We've never, being a Catholic doesn't cut you away from other people. In fact, being a Catholic, the whole point of the catechism in some ways, is that we engage, we should engage with other people in order to get them to see the fullness of what we hope.
So, um, so it's for everybody. It's and and a, and a big part of it was because John Paul was horrified with what he found out was being. Remember, he came from a country where the faith was really strong, sadly not as strong now, but because they were being persecuted. And so he came to the West. There's a story about when he did the Angelus the first time as a Pope, and he did it in Latin, and the only person that could answer was his secretary, who was Polish, and Cardinal Ratzinger. All the others were... <laughs> and, and Pope John Paul said, at the very least, every Latin right Catholic, which is what we are, every Latin right Catholic should at the very least know how to pray the Our Father in Latin, Pater Noster. That's why it's in the Missals. Um, and I would love to introduce it in the parish, but I'd probably need to be here for many years so that you all don't think that I've some, suddenly turned into some kind of um, right-wing, gun-toting crazy because I want to do th- something in Latin, although you've already helped me do stuff in Latin. Anyway, so it's a re-presenten- representation of the deposit of faith and it's to be used to share the faith. In 1985, there was the, a, a council, a synod of bishops, before <coughs> synod became a bad word. Um, it was about 200 bishops went there. It was the 20th anniversary of Vatican II. And they decided that there was a huge problem with the way the faith was being taught. And that many bishops were disregarding the truth. And we needed a new catechism in order to keep in line. And sad to say, most of the American bishops who attended voted against it. They didn't want it. They didn't think that America needed something from outside. This has been a... There's a heresy called Americanism. It's the only country that's got heresy named after it, by the way. In the 1880s, when some of the bishops in America decided they didn't need to be in contact with with, uh, the Vatican and they could do their own thing. And that heresy still bubbles in places. Um, anyway, um, the the French bishops undertook to, they would never do it now, but the French bishops undertook to create this document. It was originally written in French, and its first publication was in 92 in French, and then it was put into Latin um, in 93 and then English in 94. Uh, the, doc- the document itself, the whole thing, was nine times it was altered in different places. Uh, Pope John Paul describes it as the most mature and complete presentation of church teaching. And he sees it, not incorrectly, as one of the fruits of Vatican II. Because the council wanted people to see... When when, John, when Pope John XXIII called the Vatican Council, Second Vatican Council, in the inaugural address in 1963, he said that... We need to open the doors of Holy Mother Church to let the world see what it is missing so that we can begin to fix the things in the world that we let happen because we built walls around ourselves following the Reformation. And to a great extent, the state of the world is our fault because we have the truth. And after Vatican, after the Martin Luther's business in uh, Zwingli and John Calvin, what we tended to do as a church, we built walls around ourselves and said it's us and them. So some of you are old enough to have, it might have even happened to you, you either had parents or yourselves, because you were marrying a non-Catholic, you didn't get married in the church, you were married in a basement or a hall or somewhere like that. Um, these things that were imposed upon people. Um, 
which is not what we are called to do, what we've always been called to do. What does Jesus say at the end of Matthew's Gospel? Go teach all nations. He didn't say, go build a wall and uh, you know bugger you people. That's why I tell that joke about the guy that dies. He's a Baptist. And Peter's showing him around to get to the big wall. And then he goes, shh, that's the Catholics. They think they're the only people here. Because for a long time that was our mindset. But that's not, we are called to change the world. And the, 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 as I've mentioned to you before, um, if Catholics behave the way they're supposed to behave, we would never have had legalized abortion. Just think about that. The legalized killing of babies is so alien to everything we hold dear. But Catholics voted for it in significant numbers. We would never have this distortion of what it is for, for marriage. We wouldn't have that. Things like, uh, the, I mean, I, I know some people say that, um, I was talking about, what's that thing, that, what was it called? Proposition 3, right? And somebody said to me, oh no, it's not because a Catholic, any Catholics voted for it. That was all rigged. Well, that's all very well if you think that, but right, sad to say, there are plenty of Catholics who, who, for some reason, I don't know how they can do it, but seem to think that, that there's something okay or there's some argument to be made for abortion. There isn't. This is the killing of children, babies. Killing of babies. There can be no good reason for killing a baby. How can there be? Killing a baby. I mean, just that sentence. If we went back 200 years and said to your grandparents, your great-grandparents, by the way, this great country that values people and has had a civil war for the sake of what it is to have human dignity, going to have an even worse problem because it's not going to be about skin colour. It's going to be about being in your mother's womb and you're not human. And it'll be all right, all right to kill you. What do you think your forebears would have thought of that? They'd have been horrified. Horrified that that, that would happen. They'd have thought, well, it must be that the, the, the country's going to become pagan. Then. Anyway, um, so, um, as I said, Trent had the Roman Catechism. Um, and the, the present Catechism was uh, the next attempt to, to do it because the depths of the faith and it was to be Catholic, Catholic doctrine attested to and illuminated by sacred scripture. And we've covered a lot of that in the last uh, few weeks. It's an attempt to bring all of the organic growth and all the stuff we've learned and the teachings of saints that we've had had, had in the last 500 years and to, to bring it all uh, together because the Vatican Council fathers at the, the, the 20th anniversary felt that that had not been well done. So, what did they do? Back to the book. So, the book is divided into four parts, the Catechism. Um, but I'm going to go through these, <coughs> these ones here first. So, it's got sections, I didn't write it up here, but it's got articles, it's got chapters, it's got indexes, it's got footnotes, it's got citations, it's got paragraphs, oh, I did put articles up, it's got abbreviations, and it's got marginal notes. So, does anybody not know any of those, what any of those words are? Don't be shy. Does anyone know what a citation is? Citation is when you, you have a quote, you, you mention scripture, so it's a quote from scripture. So abbreviations, shortening of things, articles, pointing out things of importance, paragraphs, the paragraph part is extremely important. Because as you know, Catechism is divided into 2,865 paragraphs, 
footnotes. You can't have any sizable um, learning document uh, without having footnotes. Footnotes are used to guide you to where other things come from or if you want a fuller knowledge. Indexes. The indexes are important, but sadly, not, they're not really in the small one. Um, the, the indexes in the bigger versions are, are very useful. And the sections are the four pillars, and I've got a handout for you for this. But uh, what we're about to do, right? So when they first came out in English, right? Um, this is what you could buy. These three. So this one here is a small one. It is an introduction to the Catechism of the Catholic Church by two men that you may never have heard of. One of them is called Joseph Ratzinger and the other one is Christoph Schonborn. Uh, one of them went on to become the Pope, of course, and the other one um, was a cardinal from Austria. Both very close friends. Apparently both used to play piano duets in the Vatican. So they brought out this, this book to explain the thinking behind this. Then the Catechism itself. And then this book here, which is I don't think is in print anymore. And this book here is called The Companion to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And in this book is the full text of all of the footnotes. Which is absolutely amazing, of course. Um, including, like, um, just I'll open here, um, Article 578, whatever that's about, must have, um, it must cite six different scripture passages, and they're all here, what they cite one after another in full print. I don't think this is in, uh, in print anymore, so, um, but even like the, the, the church documents that they refer to are, are there as well. So, you can see that that's quite a bit of, quite a bit of reading there, but that's how they come out now. The, <clears throat> there's an, an ancient um, expression that you should all know off by heart. I don't mean you should have been taught it. I use it, I've used it in homilies, but it's really useful for you to learn it. It doesn't matter what order you do these in, once I translate them, you realise why. Lex codendi, lex vivendi, lex orendi. The law of what we believe is the law of how we live, is the law of how we pray. You can do them in any order, but they all apply to us, to, to Catholicism, because it's all woven together. We, we pray the way we pray because of what we believe, and that leads us to life. The way we live shows what we believe, and by extension, what, how we pray. These, this here, which, which is a medieval expression, is um, really useful for us as to know. Uh, lex credendi, lex credendi, lex credendi. There are nothing is separate. What we believe leads us towards a certain way of life, and it compels us to pray because of what we believe and how we know and what we know. You can see that shadowed in the, the four pillars of the Catechism. Lex credendi, lex vivendi, lex orendi. And so faith, life, and prayer, that's really what they are. And the sacraments, of course, are how God, how God comes to meet us and um, how he helps us to do these other two. 
This is the, the, the four, four pillars of the, the catechism. Um, the, the Pope John Paul also went on to say, <coughs> excuse me, that ignorance of our faith is damaging to all Catholics, um, at the very least Catholics should be able to say, I may not have the answer, but I know there is an answer because we don't do anything without having a good reason for it. And that's important as well. Um, the Catechism is supposed to be, as I read out, as a rock of surety for um, for our life in the world. Um, it doesn't matter what the, the chaos is in the world is, it's where we find a home for our answers. Um, I mentioned that, that people have accused us in the past of being secretive, and uh, John Paul felt that it would be really useful if we put it out there, because then Protestants know what we believe. Can't. No Protestant can say, oh, you Catholics, with your, you know, your secret inauguration and secret things you do and all that. We, what we believe is clearly there. It used to be in the top ten selling books in the United States and in Australia and New Zealand and in Britain. So, and probably every other country that they came out in. Um, there's nothing secret about our faith. Um, so we'll get into some of the, <coughs> maybe some of the citations, but the, the catechism is, um, is weaves together the, the proclamation of the faith, the examination of the reasons for belief, the experience of Christian living, the celebrations of the sacraments, the integration into an ecclesial community, Holy Mother Church, um, our apostolic and missionary witness to the world, and then the church's life within the world. That's what's woven together within the, the catechism. Um, could somebody look up First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Have you got it? Anybody? Please, Phil, go ahead. Uh, counsel to Timothy, if you will give these instructions to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound <coughs> you have followed. Exactly. So, need for catechism. Catechesis is important. Could you then go on to Second Timothy, chapter four, verse three and four? Please. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but following their own desires and insatiable curiosity, will accumulate teachers and will stop listening to the truth and will be diverted to myths. Yes, and that's never happened. <laughs> Thank you. So some of the, the saints, some of the church fathers that put together compendiums, that's what we used to call it, we used to call it compendiums of the faith, where um, Cyril of Alexandria, who lived from 315 to 386, St. John Chrysostom, who lived from 347 to 407, St. Ambrose of Milan, who lived from uh, 339 to 397, and, I haven't mentioned them yet, St. <laughs> Augustine. 
Augustine of Hippo, who lived from 354 to 430, they all did compendiums of of the faith. And then, of course, as I said, we had the Council of Trent. Um, it's systematic, it's interconnected, so there's no cherry-picking possible. Um, one of the things that we've got the time, and I think we will, maybe, um, I'll give you an example of how, if you follow the the other citations, you see how it's all woven to, together. Um, some of the things that <clears throat> the faithful have been encouraged to to use in this, um, to use this for, have been daily reading for spiritual growth. So, the, the most important thing I would say to you, if, if you're going to read the Catechism, it's not a book. So you don't start at the beginning and go to the end. Um, if you've got an interest in a particular thing to do with the faith, then you have a look at what a catechism says about it, often by looking in the index. And you read it. <coughs> and if you don't understand it, don't get stressed out about it. Um, just pray about it. Try it again. And then, as um, I used to say, that's when you bother me. If there's something in the catechism you come across and you can't, you find that you can't get your head around it, or you think, I don't, that's not making sense to me, then you come to me and say, Father, can you explain? Now, if you come to me and say, Father, can you explain paragraph 2426 in the, the catechism? My answer will be, yes, and then I'll walk away. <laughs> You'd actually need to probably email me with what it is that is your, your issue with it. But don't worry if you're <coughs> reading parts and you're not sure about it. It does make, it, it does make sense. You don't need to have a degree in theology in order to understand the things that are in the, the catechism. Um, it, it, it should be a prayerful exercise. It's, it shouldn't be an, you should never try and never practice the faith as an academic exercise. It's not an academic exercise. It should be done from the heart, and, and and you should pray beforehand, usually to the Holy Spirit, and pray afterwards again to the Holy Spirit when you're doing that. Um, but why the four parts? So, um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Anyway, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's a well-known story. Only anybody? Sorry? They devoted themselves? Yes, please. They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles and the communal life, to the breaking of the bread and the prayer, and the prayer. Okay, that was excellent. Again, this time, divide up the, the things that they do. They devoted themselves to teaching, to the teaching of the apostles, and to the communal life, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. See? That's what it is. That's what the acts, they're doing in the Acts of the Apostles. Going further back, in the Old Testament, <clears throat> the teaching of the rabbis was generally based on I've got the citations here if people are interested in reading them Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 to 9 which is the, which is the Shema the hero Israel our Lord our God so that's the credal part, credal part of that then um, Leviticus chapters 1 to 7 
um, which has got to do with <coughs> how you put into practice the, the temple liturgy. And then Genesis 1 to 3, Exodus 20, and Deuteronomy 4, which are really got the Ten Commandments in them. But also, interestingly, obviously, in Genesis 1, um, and this is very important, and it's, uh, I've mentioned something about the chief rabbi of England in a second. Um, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. It's very fundamental to Judaism that God created and he uncreated two genders. And then the halal psalms were all, people tended to memorize the psalms anyway, the Jews, the rabbis did. But the halal psalms are um, in particular important when it comes to devotion to God because they are, and that's psalms 113 to 118, they're the, the psalms that, that tend to have um, Actually, they're all the ones that we do around about Easter um, for high temple worship. So it's not just from the Acts. It's also it's a traditional way in Judaism in order to to teach the um, the catech- to catechize people. So in in, a, in very simple terms, the first section is what we profess to believe. Um, the second section is. Um, made present in our lives through the grace of the sacraments. Uh, the third section informs our moral life and makes it possible. The fourth, uh, and makes it possible for us to celebrate it. And the fourth um, section is how our life should be a life of, of prayer. Division-wise, um, this makes up 39% of the catechism. There's no reason why this should interest you, but just because I want to know of the Catechism, 27% of the Catechism, and 11% of the Catechism. That's obviously longer because it's the Creed, and it explains the different articles in the Creed, uh, which, of course, is pretty fundamental. Um, It's all got to do with the thing called the hierarchy of truths, which is a theological concept, but it's also a philosophical concept that there are some things more true, more wholesomely true than others. So the, the hierarchy of truth within theology is that the Trinity, God is love, and everything else comes from that. So you need to know about what, who, what God is, and then everything else informs why we do what we do, and why God has has given us what he gave us. Um, so that then we have the incarnation of Christ. God became man so that man could share intimately in God. And then the church, which is the body of Christ. And then the dignity of every human person, because the dignity of every human person is intrinsic to everything we believe. That's why we cannot accept the distortion of what it is to be a human being. Because it's intrinsic to us. Because God became man. And God became man. He didn't become man who then changed to be a woman. Or man who was partly man, not really fully man. And he, he became a, f- a man. And God created, we are, made, we are made in the image and likeness of God. 
So to understand fully what humanity is, Vatican II says this, that you understand your humanity to the respect that you understand your, your relationship with God. Because he made you. You belong to him. We're in his image. And then uh, it's a, there's a unity that the hierarchy of truth all has to fit together and it all makes uh, sense. Um, in each of the sections, the first part tends to be a bit general and then it begins to specifically unfold the different articles of the things it talks about. So um, sacraments are clear, it talks about those seven sacraments. The faith is, is usually around the creed. The moral life uh, t- talks about the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes and articles to do with that. Um, the prayer one is the Our Father. It goes through the Our Father because the Our Father contains all the, the parts of prayer that are intended. So, where are we at with time? Yes. Okay, so, if you have a look at your catechisms at um, Article 27, right, should make a difference to whatever your, cat- whatever your um, catechism is. Article 27. Okay, you see the desire for God, it says there, right? So, if you see the marginal notes... 355, 170, and 1718. Okay? So, the, so this talks about the, the, the fact that it's intrinsic in every human, every person, to have this desire for God. Um, turn to 355. Um, and you'll see that 355 starts off by saying God created man in his own image and uh, we are what's called the Imago Dei, the image of God because we've just had they are talking about desire for God it's written in the human heart and we're then reminded that and talks about the dignity of man rests above all on the fact that he is called into communion with God that reference tells us that we are made in the image and likeness of God if you then look at 1718 uh, or Uh, you will then see that we've had the desire for for knowing God. The one of the references talks about how we're made in God's image and likeness, and then it refers us to part of the Beatitudes that shows that we have a desire for happiness. And that desire for happiness, you'll see at the bottom of that that citation, that desire for happiness. There's a quote there from. Um, Saint, uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas, it simplifies, it actually sums up this citation, but also the first one. God alone satisfies this desire. So that's how these, that's how the marginal things work, because it all works together. So sometimes you might read a, you might read a, a paragraph and you think, I don't get that. Then you look at the marginal ones and you read them and come back and read it. And you go back and read one of them and come back and read it. Or if it's got a, if it's got a citation for scripture, Read the scripture passage, then reread the paragraph. A lot of that, a lot of it becomes clearer if you, if you do that. Um, but don't worry if you don't, you don't understand. It's, this is not a, a document that, that comes out to, for us to, um, be able to, to know every single word of it, uh, correctly. So just giving a quick, um, 
summary here then. So there's the, in the back, the big ones have a index of citations in it, which is great because if you're looking for, is the catechism say anything about Matthew chapter 8 verse 10, you can look up the back of the, the bigger version, the bigger prints ones, and they'll tell you because they've got all down there what the scripture references are. They also have um, the citations from the church fathers, and you will find that there's a certain man cited more than anyone else. I believe he was from North Africa. I think we'll find his name was Augustine of Hippo. Um, and then the the next most cited person is St Thomas Aquinas. But if you if you've got the uh, the one of the bigger ones. Um, at the back, there's an index of citations, and so you can say these, these, all of these, from here all the way to here, are all citations from the work of Saint Augustine. That's how important Saint Augustine is for understanding the faith. Don't worry, and don't run out to buy one of the bigger ones unless you're going to do it from an academic point of view, um, because that smaller pocket catechism. Uh, is a great catechism for meditation and for reading. Um, the um, catechism is available on uh, quite a few different websites and it's searchable in some... There's a, a Catholic parish called Charles Borromeo um, and they have a fantastic website and they have a searchable uh, catechism that, 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 that will refer you to the citations as well, as does the Vatican. So this is the latest print. This is by Ascension Press, who at the present moment are doing Father Mike Schmitz, who did the Bible in a year, which was excellent, is doing the Catechism in a year. I, I've only listened to a couple of them. Um, I, I'm glad he's doing it, but because it, it's not the same kind of thing. And it's I was listening the other day to one of them just to see what it was like, and I came away thinking. Most people listening to that, Father, have no idea what you just talked about. Because it's not that kind of, it's not that kind of book. But this is beautiful. Uh, everything the Ascension Press do is, is lovely. Um, but it isn't cheap. So, I bought this second hand for, um, I think this was $35, but I think new, it's 60 something. 69. 69, is it? Yeah, yeah. But it is a, it's, it's a, it's really, like they all, everything they do, it's really beautifully put uh, together. Um, and unlike the Bible they brought out, <clears throat> it does have enough ribbons. The Bible they brought out only had two ribbons, which is kind of peculiar really, because when they did the, um, the church, the Bible in the gear, they had three different things going, but they only had two ribbons. So they seem to have learned their lesson on that. Um, Okay, so, I know that was like, um, what's it that uh, one, of my, one of my old friends says, that's, that's like trying to put a, um, a, a river down a, a, a waterfall down a hosepipe. Um, so, I have for you two handouts, which I'll give out once we're, once we're finished. Um, one actually gives you an explanation of the the uh, 
Four Pillars of the Catechism, and it does indeed mention St. Augustine on the first page. Um, the other one is about different kinds of prayer, and it cites, um, I found this the other day on a, a Catholic website, and it's really good, um, it cites the different numbers in the Catechism, where if you want to read, you can see more about how it's it's uh, put together. So um, I'll, I'll give them out when we're when we're done. Um, just a couple of minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully that was helpful. Does somebody want to say in a loud voice, "Yes, Father," so that yes, people? Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Yeah. If only I had one of those water pistols, I would be going for you. Well, do you feel fine? That that, that was nice. (laughs) As long as you feel fine. Okay. Just when you're talking about, when you're thinking about, I should mention quickly, the four pillars of the of the catechism. Don't get confused with the four four pillars of the church, right? Um, the, the, I've read multiple attempts to try to fit these four pillars, these four into those four. You could do it at a stretch, but um, they're not they're not related. I, I, as I told you, why we do the why those four. Here at the Acts, and also the Jews did it as well. This has got this is of course from the Creed, and it's explained in the the, the one holy Catholic Apostolic Church. Um, the prologue one to twenty five, the articles one to twenty five. I encourage everybody to read them. They spell out very well the whole purpose of the Catechism and the best way to use the Catechism. And um, this one here, this citation here, Acts twenty six to forty is the episode of Philip with the, the eunuch. And the eunuch, he says to the eunuch, um, or the, he said, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I understand unless somebody explains it? And that's, that's the purpose of catechesis, of course, that we have a text where things can be explained. There's a core text that if I preach something and, for example, Butch is uncomfortable with it or he doesn't get it or he thinks, I've never heard that before, that he is able to say to me, can you tell me where that is in the Catechism, please, Father? Because that doesn't sound like something that we believe. So, and I have had people do that. And I've always been right. <laughs> no. Shouldn't say that. I bet I say something on Sunday that you're probably going to shout out. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on! <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast.blogspot.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider. You can also like us on Facebook. Let's Talk Catholic is produced by Nick Medelsky and can be heard right here on Relevant Radio in Northern Michigan, Saturdays at noon.